0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrane. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that Gracie spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. What you're about to hear is a rebroadcast from a program that originally aired back in February of twenty fourteen. Gerald Salente up first, followed by my last conversation with the late Nils Hamron, who passed away this last April. Nils, of course, the author of Seal of the End Times, a good friend of the program who was on with me many times over the years, and he will be sadly missed. So, here's how we sounded back in February of 2014. Uh, the other night on uh, one of the movie channels, I happened to catch a movie that came out about, oh, maybe 35 years ago. It was directed by a Canadian filmmaker, director Ted Kotcheff. It was called Who is Killing the Great Chefs of Europe? Do you remember that? It's kind of a comedy a mystery film, and um, I'm trying to remember who it was in, uh, George Segal and uh, the lovely Jacqueline Bissett and an old British uh, actor that I remember... Uh, Robert Morley. And uh, the idea is the great chefs of Europe are being killed, but in a manner sort of reflecting their most famous dishes. So, for example, the lobster chef is drowned. And, uh, you know, in the book, the recipe for each dish is given and so forth. And it was kind of apropos that that movie would be playing, because I don't know if you've been following the trail of all these dead bankers. Who is killing the great bankers of Europe? and elsewhere, some in in Hong Kong and even one in Colorado. There was earlier this month an investment uh, banker at J.P. Morgan who jumped to his death from the roof of the bank's headquarters. Witnesses say the man went to the roof of a building in the heart of Hong Kong's central district, and uh, despite attempts to talk him down, he jumped to his death. This was not just an isolated incident. There are, by some count now, 20 bankers, many of them foreign exchange traders, who have died under suspicious circumstances in the last couple of months. January 26th, former Deutsche Bank executive found dead in his South Kensington home after police responded to reports of a man found hanging at a house. And he had close uh, uh, ties to the uh, the Deutsche Bank uh, chief executive. Gabriel McGee, a 39-year-old senior manager at J.P. Morgan, European headquarters, jumped 500 feet from the top of the bank's headquarters in central London Mike Duker, the former economist at Russell Investments, fell down a 50-foot embankment in what police are describing as a suicide. Richard Talley, 57, founder of American Title Services in Centennial, Colorado, was found dead earlier this month after apparently shooting himself with a nail gun. 37-year-old J.P. Morgan Executive Director Ryan Henry Crane died last week. Tim Dickinson, a U.K.-based communication director at Swiss REAG, also died last month. So, did all these men actually kill themselves? There's reason to believe that at least some of those deaths may not have been suicides at all. What is going on here? How in the world would someone be able to shoot themselves with a nail gun, eight nail gun wounds to his torso and his head, in the case of uh, Richard Talley? We're going to get into that right now with the, uh, the founder of the Trends Research Institute, Gerald Salente. Is a well respected uh, gentleman for his track record on picking businesses, consumer, political, and economic trends before they come to pass. And it's his job to see the future and understand how the issues and events of today will determine the trends of tomorrow. Gerald Salente, how are you?
1: I'm fine, Richard.
0: Well, we can't say the same for a lot of these uh, bankers. We're hearing uh, that, you know, a number of them have been. jumping off of buildings and have been found in in stairwells and found dead under suspicious circumstances. I've read recently where you said the number may be as high as 20 mysterious deaths. What's going on here with these bankers?
1: Well, you know, it's really hard to say. And you look back in, in January, $3 trillion was wiped out of the equity markets. So if you're involved in that, you know, and you're losing everything, you know, and people lose everything and they have nothing left to lose, they lose it. So you don't, you don't really know what's going on, you know, and you can't look into people's lives. And then you're looking at all the scandals going on. It's every day. Uh, it's virtually every day. The latest might, the, the saddest, funniest one that just came out is UBS is looking to make a deal so they don't have to be brought up on charges with um, rigging the rates. And it's one after another. There's rigging going on everywhere. So who knows what when. But here's the way I look at it, Richard. Whether or not these guys are killing themselves because they know too much or being pushed off the cliff by somebody else. Suicided, as they say. Yes, suicided. To me, that's not the issue. How much more proof do people need that the game is rigged? This isn't a conspiracy. It's a fact. They rig the LIBOR rates. It's a fact. It's in black and white for anybody to read. They rig the Forex markets. That's only $5.3 trillion a day. It's a fact. Hey, check this one out. Jim Cramer, you know that guy on CNBC. Sure, never met a stock he didn't like. That's right. He's on Yahoo tape ticker, and he says, quote, the market is rigged, end quote. How much more proof do people need? How many bankers have to fall off buildings? So to me, it's not that. It's that everybody knows how much more proof do they need. Everybody knows that none of the white shoe boys ever do jail time. It's only the lower lower people on the pecking order.
0: Yeah, they picked someone like a Bernie Madoff to take the fall. Uh, Yet recently, was it Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan that was uh, found guilty of essentially enabling the Bernie Madoff scheme?
1: J.P. Morgan Chase and so nobody got any time for it. And, and you know the heads that do roll, these people like with the name like, you know, Gupta Sanjay or something, you know, to get an Indian guy, you know, that looks dark and nobody likes him. You know, that's right, they do the cat, walk. You know, so they'll get him, you know. But I said this when it began in 2008. This is not capitalism. When they came out with Too Big to Fail, by definition, It's the merger of state and corporate powers.
0: That's fascism.
1: Exactly. And that's what we have, particularly in the United States. We've lost our constitutional rights, our Bill of Rights. They are raping us in any possible way that they can. And it's a total multinational takeover. What's going on in Ukraine all anyone has to do, if they have the inclination to do so, is to type in Victoria Nuland, N-U-L-A-N-D, the Assistant Secretary of State, and the um, National Press Club, Washington. I think it's like December, I think it's 13th, 2013, 14th or 15th, around there, 2013. And here she is, giving a speech, prepared speech, right next to her, the people that are promoting this event, (laughs) a big chevron sign that she's standing next to. And she's railing on about how we have to bring democracy to Ukraine. (laughs) And then at the very end, she spills the beans. We, the taxpayer, have pumped in $5 billion dollars into Ukraine through the so-called NGOs. NGOs, FUs, you know. (laughs) And that's what they are. And they're fronts. Five billion. And she goes on to say that the only future for Ukraine is to join the European Union and to follow the path set forth by the IMF. There you go. So it's right there for everyone to hear. So now I say to myself, What is this? Who is she? What was she talking about? United States, and of course I know the deal, I'm just saying this to make it clear, talking about why Ukraine has to join the EU, she's from the United States, and why they have to follow the path of the IMF. So for anybody that's over six years old, knows how to feed themselves, drive a car, and take a shower or a bath, they should figure it out. It's a takeover by the multinationals and the money changers mafia.
0: And the Ukraine is sitting on an awful lot of natural gas, from what I understand. The
1: pipelines go through natural gas. Again, Chevron, anybody can see the picture. This isn't a conspiracy. It's a fact, Jack. Jack. So it's, it's, a repeat right of, there.
0: it's a repeat of what we saw during uh, th- this phony Arab Spring when a lot of these NGOs are funding a lot of these so called spontaneous, you know, freedom movements. But it's about creating client states.
1: Exactly. And what it is about, matter of fact, I was on Russia today on February 20th. People could see the interview. Out of Moscow, not the one out of the United States, talking about this. And I said, what this is, it's the European Union. And the United States wanting to take more control of Eastern Europe and weaken Russia. That's all this is about. And and raping. Now, listen. Let's figure this out. You don't have to be too smart to even figure this one out. Anybody listening? Who in their right mind would want to join the EU? Hey, they're doing a great job with Greece, huh? Whoa, (laughs) hey, how about Italy? Wonderful time.
0: Yeah, 60% unemployment.
1: Isn't Spain beautiful? Mm. Yeah, the rain in Spain. How about Ireland? Oh, terrific, having a great time. What about Portugal? Oh, yeah, jobs are plenty. Prosperity is just around the corner. What imbecile would want to join the EU? Yeah, I mean, they're... this is just a, this is just a money mafia deal,
0: right? Gerald Salente is with us, publisher of Trends Journal and the website trendsjournal.com. Let me just go back to the bankers for a moment, and, and I know that you're saying that this is symptomatic, this is not the story, but it is intriguing that so many of because you mentioned J.P. Morgan, and, and so many of these bankers have ties to J.P. Morgan, and again, we have these bankers in the prime of their life otherwise healthy their deaths came as a total surprise to their families you know not uh, suffering from you know mental illness or anything so it does beg the question why would they be knocked off if in fact they were suicided let me leave you with that thought gerald we'll take a time out and come back and talk a little bit about who is killing the bankers gerald salente publisher of trends journal right here on the conspiracy show don't go away Now let me ask you, is weight loss on your wish list? Unfortunately, the commitment to weight loss often fades. Many people simply give up in the first 90 days. The key is having the right mindset. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes, and hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Steve G. Jones has created a set of five, audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram the mind and replace bad habits with vibrant positive new habits and help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight Loss Hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. SmartClickSavings.com. Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving.
2: If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work. We make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting UP99 to 88988. That's UP99 to 88988.
0: Sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Gerald Salenti, publisher of Trends Journal, and the website is TrendsJournal.com. Gerald, back to uh, these bankers, and, and uh, I've heard anywhere from three, now 20, that have died under mysterious circumstances. A number of them uh, were foreign exchange traders, and a number of them were tied to J.P. Morgan. I know we're we're in the realm of speculation here, but what do you think would have cost them their lives? Is it some sort of uh, cover-up? You mentioned the Forex trading and, and how these markets are being fixed, but you know what would cause someone to push them or- or you know, have them thrown off a building?
1: The reason I don't really like to speculate on this is because you don't know what's going on with somebody's life, you know, in, in their personal lives. You know, it could be marital problems, it could be family problems, it could be a whole health problems, it could be a whole rare problems. But as I see it, one of the big problems, you know, again, only looking at it from the outside, is that $3 trillion was wiped out in January. And it's only going to get worse. So are they losing their lives because they lost so much? Look at the facts with the, you mentioned the Forex, you know, these guys are, you know, doing currency trading. And you look at the LIBOR fixing. And it's a very fair question to ask, did they know too much? And were they ready now not to take the rap and spill the beans? That is a very rational way of looking at this. It's not, you know, wild speculation, because again, it's a fact. No one's making it up. We know that these markets are rigged. We're talking about the LIBOR seven hundred trillion dollars worth of interest rates being rigged over the years, and as I said, about five point three trillion a day on the Forex, and we know that they're rigged. So these guys may have known too much and maybe they didn't want to be the fall guys, so they were forced to take the fall.
0: Would any of this have to do with attempts by the central planners or whoever, whatever you want to call them, in maintaining the status of the United States as the reserve currency?
1: I don't know. I don't think these guys are big enough to influence that, even if they know it. If what they knew had to do with dirty deals, that's what I could understand it as. But, you know, it, it, keeping the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency is a much, much, much broader issue. That's not going to be, as I see it again, and you know, I could be 100% wrong on this. You uh, made, we mentioned sure by few.
0: manipulation in the Forex and other manipulations, and I wanted to Get your, your take on the manipulation in the precious metals market. Granted, you know, the gold market, silver market, pretty small compared to some of these others, and, and maybe even that, that lends itself to greater manipulation because it is such a small you know, market. But to what extent do you imagine that the gold and the silver markets are being manipulated?
1: Totally. 100%? 100%. Because you have the two markets. They're, they're distinct from each other. There's physical gold and, of course, the paper gold. And I say this with somewhat having experience in this. I bought my first gold buy, 100 ounces of gold in 1978. I was trading. And I didn't know what I was doing. The whole thing was just opening up back then. And I also bought at the highest point when it collapsed in January of 1980. There was no physical market. It was the United States was trading. There was no Russia. Everybody behind the Soviet Union, east of Berlin, was locked behind the Iron Curtain. There was no China. You know, Mao Zedong had just died. You know, it was a whole different world. There was no India buying gold like they are now. So now you have strong physical demand. As a matter of fact, now China's the number one purchaser of gold. And there's also speculation that China's buying up so much gold so they could use the yuan as their reserve currency and back it by gold. How's that for a quaint thought? So... You have a very different market today than it was back then. Back then it was, you know, you talk about thinly traded, it was only the United States and a little bit going on in Europe and Japan. Now it's a global market. So there's a huge disconnect between physical and paper. And physical is the real market. The paper market's being manipulated as Jim Kramer says, quote, the markets are rigged, end quote.
0: What's the purpose of suppressing the price of gold? Again, does it have to do with maintaining the U.S. dollar?
1: Absolutely. And it's not only the U.S. dollar. It's the euro. It's most of the fiat currencies. And so people know that. I mean, even with this tapering, oh, they're only pumping in $65 billion a month. They cut it back, $20 And when they cut it back, the world equity markets go into panic. So the reason why you have such strong demand overseas in Asia, the people have been around a long time. They're hip to the game. They know that these currencies come and go, but gold lasts from the beginning of time to now, and it's not going anywhere.
0: Where is the physical gold coming from, though, Gerald? If you look at China importing, and we only know what goes through, I guess, Shanghai, and it's that combined with India, and they're smuggling something like 30 to 50 tons a month, that combined, I mean, is greater than the annual uh, gold production. So where is the gold coming from?
1: That's a very good question, because as many people know, the Germans, Richard, are having a very difficult time getting their gold back. And they're not going to get it back ostensibly till 2020 because the US, France, and the UK are holding it. And I guess you know that it takes a long time to strap gold onto the legs of carrier pigeons and send them across, <laughs> you know, the channel, you yes. know? So, uh, you know, shipping takes a long time. So there is no gold, is what a lot of people speculate, and that there is enough in the system. Coming out of, you know, between central banks selling it and other ones picking it up to fill the market void. And what you mentioned about India is is very important, being that they used to be the largest buyer of physical gold. And it goes back to why do they want to keep the price of gold down? Because with the rupee getting bashed because of the tapering and the hot money stopping flowing into these emerging markets where the money was getting greater yields, they've put on restrictions on importing gold and taxing it to make it almost impossible. So there's a virtual shortage of gold now in India. So, you know, Indians like gold as much as, you know, curry and they're doing everything they can to stop it. So that's what they're doing. It's the central banks trying to make it appear that their worthless currencies are worth something.
0: Is it possible that the U.S. is willingly, and these bullion banks, are willingly emptying their vaults and shipping it to China in exchange for some sort of an agreement that China will not you know, dump all their U.S. treasuries?
1: I would doubt it. I would doubt it. I don't think anybody's going to tell the Chinese what to do. They're dumping, a matter of fact. They're buying less and less and, and dumping more and more. But the Chinese can't dump them too much either because they're going to take a beating on it. So they're really going to catch 22. But I don't think there's that kind of negotiation, particularly when we just heard the going back and forth of the Treasury Secretary Liu and China's Liu L-O-U uh, debating on the issues of whether China should open up more to U.S. and whether they should do more to boost their economy. And Lou coming back at the United States and saying that our economy in the States is a fraudulent economy. Basically, he didn't use those words, but he said it's really just propped up by stimulus, and it's only stimulating a very few. And then you look at what's going on, too, between China and Japan, and the United States taking a position in Japan, and Japan's newfound militarism and the ending of their pacifism since World War II, and the ratcheting up of hostilities between China and Japan in the East China Sea, I don't think the United States is going to be doing that kind of deal with China.
0: Gerald Salente, publisher of Trends Journal and the website TrendsJournal.com. You mentioned the Ukraine, and obviously we have instability in places like Argentina and Brazil and uh, some of these emerging markets, but what else has you particularly concerned
1: Well, that's the big one, you know, there's global unrest everywhere, populist movements throughout the world, whether it's Italy, France, Netherlands, uh, Hungary, Austria, name the country, Scotland, and then you have, of course, Thailand, the people have been out in the streets now, what, for three months? I mentioned the uh, the instability between China and Japan building up. The United States just announcing troop deals and, and arms deals with Philippines and also part of that pivot to Asia. You have the destabilization, as you mentioned, in Ukraine, also Bulgaria, Romania. You have war in Yemen and Libya and Syria. You have uh, Central Africa, Somalia, Sudan. Uganda, Congo, you know, all of these places are all destabilized. You mentioned Argentina, Brazil, and now, of course, Venezuela. The Trends Journal, I mean, it was two years ago he wrote it, the first great war of the 21st century. It's begun. It's underway. People are just waiting for that Archduke Ferdinand moment to say it's official. And I'm very concerned because just as World War I began by madmen, call leaders, prime ministers and presidents or whatever, uh, took their people to a needless war. They're doing it again. When all else fails, they take you to war. The other one, of course, is this whole tapering thing. The only reason the emerging markets boomed as they did was because of all of the cheap money flowing out of the United States, getting higher yields in these other countries, and now that money's flowing out and the economies are going down. I believe there's going to be... Probably one more round of tapering. Maybe this is even it, the last one. But they're going to come up with another stimulus program. And when that happens, that's when you're going to see gold and silver prices really take off. Also important to note that since the new year began, you know, gold has had a nice little run up. That's not to say it can't be knocked down, you know, $100, $150 in in two days or a day because the Federal Reserve – You know has the power to do that as do other banks I mean let's not forget the New York Fed has its own trading desk on the floor of the stock exchange and they have all these other pieces of financing to rig markets so they can knock down the price however having said that the rise of gold since the beginning of the year has really been organic as I see it and I think it's going to continue and when they come out with the next round of the stimulus It'll be the next round of the next gold and silver bull runs.
0: Gerald, we have about 30 seconds. Leave us with something positive for 2014 as we look. What has you kind of uh, optimistic about 2014?
1: Well, you know, everything's in the people's hands. That's, you know, one of the sayings I just came up with. I'm sure I'm not the first one that says it, said it, but why is it that so few could rule and ruin the lives of so many? And why is it that so many let so few? Rule and ruin their lives. And so when people find the courage within themselves, then it'll change. The way I look at it, there are 80% don't know what's going on. They're lost. 10% destroyers and 10% builders. Right now the destroyers are doing the destruction. It's time for the builders to come in. And again, I want to make this 100% clear. I don't believe in violent revolutions We're beyond that point. We could have a moral... Matter of fact, my other other new saying is moral might, not military might.
0: Amen to that. Gerald Salente, publisher of the Trends Journal, and again the website, trendsjournal.com. Always a pleasure, Gerald. We'll do this again real soon, I hope.
1: Thank you so much, Richard. All the best.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Gerald Salente. When we come back, my next guest has been studying the Bible probably for close to 60 years. And uh, he wrote an interesting book entitled The Seal of the End Times, in which he reveals the identity of the Antichrist. I've been trying for years to get Nils Hamron to utter the name of the Antichrist live on the air. I'm going to try again when we come back.
3: The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Tim
0: Spreen, my producer, asked me during the break if I could tell him the identity of the Antichrist. And he said in all earnestness, he looked at me, and he said, it's not Justin Bieber, is it? I said, no, it's not Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber is merely a foot soldier in Satan's army. Uh, 22 years ago, give or take, I met a gentleman from Somerville, New Jersey, and he had just finished a massive tome. He just finished writing this amazing book called The Seal of the End Times. In the book, he describes how he figured out how God's clock works and was thus able to predict how and roughly when certain events would unfold that would culminate in what the good book calls Jacob's troubles also known as the great tribulation which of course is followed by the rise of the antichrist and the final battle of good and evil armageddon he also claimed he had correctly identified the final antichrist someone who walks among us now a mover and a shaker obviously someone of immeasurable wealth and power who is about to take the world stage Someone who will come as a man of peace, who will be the architect of a false peace in the Middle East, who will dazzle and captivate the world with miracles. He will somehow convince the, ad- the adherents of all of the various major world religions that he is the Messiah. Anyway, you know how that movie ends. So I lost track of the author of The Seal of the End Times, Nils Hamron, a while back when he and his lovely bride were displaced during Hurricane Sandy. And then I found him again. And he's here once again to discuss what is now, I guess, the 26th anniversary of the, the, uh, the publication of the Seal of the End Times. And I'm going to see if I can get him once again uh, to reveal the identity of the final Antichrist. Nils Hammerin. Welcome once again to The Conspiracy Show, my old friend.
3: Hello there, Richard. It's nice to talk to you and to hear your perfect uh, speech on the air. I was listening to your show earlier, and it's coming through in New Jersey extremely well, and uh, that is uh, a testament to your uh, influence. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, it's also a testament to uh, fifty thousand watts of uh, clear channel power. Uh, mm-hmm. It's always good to know, you know, who, who, how the uh, the station is being heard in in uh, various parts of uh, of the continent. Well, Nils, listen, great to have you back again. Been too long, but here we are on this journey, twenty two years after the publication of the Seal of the End Times. Now, just for those people who don't know about this book, just take thirty seconds or so and explain what it's all about.
3: Okay, um, the book was the result not of something, I'm not basically a writer. I never wrote anything in the past, and uh, my life was taking a very odd turn, and I was running into situations which could only be explained uh, in, in uh, terms of the fifth dimension, the Bible, prophecy, angels things I didn't know too much about but I was learning rapidly and I decided you know some of these things that are happening to me people should know about these because they prove that um, the Bible itself is real. it is the the words of God himself and that the uh, angels do exist and there are bad forces out there that also exist opposing the angels you have demons you have uh, fallen angels and uh, you have friendly angels that uh, may take it up in, in their uh, sort of life i don't know how you could describe it but uh, they will take upon uh, themselves your own protection and uh, i saw samples of uh, that happening and the the result was I just felt somebody should hear this, and they should understand, especially people that are not believers or people that are agnostics, they don't have much in this world to go by that is actual fact.
0: Okay, so explain how you figured out how God's clock works. What is God's clock, first of all? And again, just keep it fairly tight.
3: Okay, Um, God's clock is called the Shabuwa clock. Shabuah is a Hebrew word. It means seven years. Uh, but there are two seven-year terms. One is the Hebrew term, which is short of seven years by approximately 37 days. And then there is this normal, uh, correct seven-year period of time, also called a Shabuah. So when you're dealing with a prophecy where the Shabuah count was given, uh, you have to know whether it was a normal Shabuah or it was a Hebrew Shabuah. But all this information was fed to me slowly um, over time by either an angel close to me or by the Holy Spirit. All I can say is I was given one date to watch for approximately 30 to 40 years ago, and I did watch for the data, nothing was happening. And then finally, uh, approximately maybe 10 years ago or something, uh, it did happen. It actually happened, and that was the keystone of the prophecy clock. When I knew that, I could then begin to sort out how God tells time. And uh, my father was a scientist, And uh, I have his type of brain, but the brain works in religious terms. And in those uh, terms, you know, dealing with prophecy, uh, some uh, were very vague, some actually were specific. One in particular was a prophecy which Jesus gave the name of, and that was a prophecy dealing with the Gentile times, or the times of the Gentiles. It is not well known, but that prophecy only dealt with the city of Jerusalem, not the nation of Israel. And uh, the the uh, common date for the fall of uh, Jerusalem has always been 606 B.C. Once you understand the Shabuah clock, you find out that Jerusalem fell in the year 603 B.C., a three-year difference. And it was to be regathered in the year 1914 based on that prophecy, which was 2,520 years long. And when you figure it all out, that came out to about uh, 1914. And on December 11th of 1914, General Allenby walked through the streets of Jerusalem and took it over from the Ottoman Empire and uh... not firing a shot he had negotiated as a christian with the ottoman empire people there in jerusalem and they told him they would allow him to take over the city as long as valuable places there were not hurt and damaged in any way
0: so many people point to 1947 as the regathering in Israel at the formation of the state of Israel but it actually goes back to 1914 okay so through the understanding of the Shabu and God's clock then you were able to uh, sort of uh, work from there forward to the biblical end times uh, and so forth but uh, we'll take a time out Nils when we come back uh, I want to talk briefly uh, about the other uh, amazing aspect of the Seal of the End Times, sure uh, twenty two years after its publication, and that is uh, how and uh, uh, how uh, you were able to identify the final Antichrist by name and why you are unwilling to utter his name live on the air back. Certainly. With Nils hammerin End times press, you're listening to the conspiracy show. My name is Richard Serrett.
3: an eye on the New World Order. This is The Conspiracy Show
0: with Richard Sellett. Twenty-two years ago, Nils Hamron completed writing a book that was probably some 60 years in the making. It's called The Seal of the End Times, and uh, in the book, uh, he, I guess, has broken the seal and is able to uh, identify how God's clock works and thus sort of countdown to the final days uh... the end times culminating in the battle of armageddon and along the way of course uh... in the book he identifies the antichrist by name if you buy the book and you read the book it'll be all laid out for you you'll know who the antichrist is but uh... in twenty two years of knowing Nils hammering i've never been able to get him to utter it on the air nils why is that
3: it's a very good question, and you would think uh, it's, it's vital information. Uh, in my mind, knowing what I know, uh, it's not that vital, because we have an Antichrist coming. It doesn't matter who it is. He will start on a certain date, and he will be uh, given approximately a little less than seven years to be in power. Uh, the worst part of his reign will be the last part, uh, which we call the tribulation it could be anybody it could be uh... somebody in a prison right now but i pretty much know who it is simply because of studies of the spear of destiny also called the uh, spear of longinus uh... that spear was used uh... to pierce the thorax of jesus on the cross after he had died and what happened was that uh... when you do that uh, the way this Roman uh, centurion was doing, uh, blood would come out from the lungs, which would accumulate uh, in a person that was being crucified. Uh, blood would be in the lungs, and it would come out through the uh, wound, which would prove that the person was completely dead. Um, that blood ran down uh, the post that the Jesus crucified on, and it went down to the base uh, hole, which was chiseled in rock, uh, as people remember that read the Bible, there was an earthquake that followed, and the rock uh, cracked exactly where the post was in the, uh, the uh, base there, and below that was, uh, about 22 feet down, was a chamber in the rock, which was unknown at the time, and in that chamber was the Ark of the Covenant, So the blood of Christ pooled in the base of the post, and then when the earthquake happened, the blood ran down the crack and landed directly on the center of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And this completed a uh, plan that God had laid out many years ago. In fact, the uh, Ark was placed there 600 years Prior to Christ being crucified uh,
0: back to the uh, that 's a whole other show we can do is the uh, the Ark of the Covenant and wh- you know where is it and, 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 and so forth, but getting back to the spear of destiny or the lance of Longinus, the Roman soldier that as you say, used it to pierce christ 's side that that lance has traveled through history, everyone from uh, Napoleon uh, to uh, Charlemagne uh the, the great rulers of Europe have taken this spear into battle and have become almost impervious to uh you know the enemy because of they possess this lance did hitler uh, have the lance uh the
3: uh, yes the future antichrist has the lance and now that is how i was able to identify him uh he he received it in 1979 june of 1979 and in fact uh I happen to have a photograph that was taken by a physician that lives in the United States or did live, in. he's now dead. His name is Howard Beckner. Um, he was uh, very active in Germany, trying to save people that were in the camps that had been set up by the Germans for extermination of the Hebrew people. Um, he was a doctor. He was uh, given a classification of colonel. And he worked with uh, German officers going into these concentration camps and trying to save lives. He formed a friendship with some of those people. And when the spear was retrieved from a hiding place where it was put at the end of World War II, it was brought to him in the United States. And he was allowed to look at it and hold it, talk to the German people that were involved with retrieving it, for a span of about three days in june of 1979 from there it went back to Austria uh... or germany and in that area it was placed in a guarded place where it could be safe and uh... given over to what is called the committee of twelve uh... however the committee of twelve normally doesn't need the spear they have their own uh... powers uh, the spear was actually assigned to uh, the future Antichrist for his use because of its power.
0: Okay, let me ask you, uh, and I understand you've told me this uh, a number of times off the air, uh, that, that you were once on a, a radio station, a radio program down in, in Florida, I believe it was, and you actually did mention the antichrist by name and that did not end well what what ended up happening as a result
3: it was a crazy show i had no idea how big the station linkage was i was in my pajamas doing this program after i had done the night shift at general motors and i'm on the air and all of a sudden the uh, person that is running the show uh... tells me that he's bringing on the the guy I claim is the Antichrist, and I said, "Uh, who who are you bringing on? And he named the name, and they had reached this person by satellite in Europe, tracked him down, and had him on the line. And I told him legally, I cannot, you know, continue this program. You're going to be responsible for what happens now. And I uh, told him I'll stay by if you want me to listen, but I'm not uh, going to speak with him. So they spoke with him for about 20 minutes, and during that time, uh, this uh, gentleman, uh, who we suspect, uh, spoke perfect English, perfect English, and a very, very quick mind, an extremely uh, clever person. But he made one mistake, and while he made that mistake, I realized this is truly the Antichrist.
0: What was the mistake he made?
3: The mistake he made dealt with the Spear of Longinus, and uh, whether or not he had it, and whether or not uh, he still uh, had it on display in a museum someplace. Um, It was on display in several hospitals, various churches at different times, and um, he denied having anything to do with the Spear, and I knew that he was linked to it. There was no way he could deny it.
0: He didn't he later, this didn't the Antichrist uh, later actually call you at home?
3: Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, I have a tape of his time on the uh, radio, and uh, I wouldn't even play that on the air because, again, there's a very, very attendant danger associated with making these accusations. These people are extremely dangerous. Uh, when they want to do something that's it it's done and it doesn't matter what it is so you have to if you want to keep uh, breathing and uh, being of some use in the world you uh, are very careful what you say and when you say it
0: alright so without saying his name you, you, you've identified this individual as being of European descent um, obviously we're talking about someone of immeasurable wealth and power here we're we talking old money?
3: We're talking very old money, and we're talking extreme value uh, in, in land, uh, extreme holdings, uh, owning banks, owning uh, practically owning half a country. Uh, that sort of wealth is uh, almost immeasurable today. <clears throat> it would exceed uh, the, the Rockefellers and all the rest of these people that are involved with the New World Order, he would be able to buy them all out.
0: And, and when is he, according to God's clock, the Shabua, which you have broken the seal, uh, when is he set to emerge back onto the world stage as a prominent individual?
3: All right. Uh, Shabuas have numbers. His Shabua is number 350. It is not in force at this time. It will begin as soon as there is a peace accord in uh, the Mideast uh, put together by uh, various countries as the result of a major, major war which we call World War III. That is not Armageddon. World War III is at least something like eight years prior to Armageddon. So we are still facing a bit of time now Shabuah 350 comes immediately after Shabua 349 shabuwa 349 ended uh in uh, 1994 uh, december 7th of 1994 that's when that particular shabuwa ended and shabuwa 350 had certain characteristics it did not follow i realized then that we are in the time where a free Shabuwa is now the next Shabuwa and is not linked to the string of Shabuwas prior to it.
0: So we're in a bit of a holding pattern until
3: until
0: World War III starts. And then in the the aftermath of World War III, we have this false peace. Now, the Antichrist is to be the architect. He's to negotiate this false peace, is he not?
3: Uh, He will be at the table and he will be a signature of the new agreement. Uh he is also uh, working on changing the European Union. Uh the date for the start up of these changes would be approximately May 1st, 2015. That would be 70 years after the death of Hitler. Uh it is something that is a target that was set up by people have uh, have been set up to uh, take the Third Reich, redesign it, and make it into the Fourth Reich. So we have the future Antichrist running the Fourth Reich, and it is called the Pan-European Union.
0: And does the, does the final Antichrist, is he aware that he is the Antichrist, or, or will, will he, his body essentially be taken over at this
3: point? he would be probably taken over i do not believe that he he doesn't want to be something as evil as the antichrist he's actually a fairly uh, normal person at this point he's active in things like uh, fundraising and uh he loves music and he's uh, he's not a person that you would hate he's a person that you would just like to know uh he's so wealthy that he is surrounded by uh protective people, of course, and uh, getting to see him or meet him or anything like that is almost uh, impossible. That's why um, when he showed up on that radio program, I was really uh, unbelievably... Yeah, that would be quite a
0: shock. Nils, I understand, uh, here we are, 22 years later, seal of the end times. It's... uh, You've got about, what, 200 copies left?
3: I have that and uh, I would like to clean them out and then I'm going to uh, start maybe a new project, but I don't um, what comes to mind is something like a pictorial book dealing with prophecies, so that people could see where something is supposed to be taking place and uh, okay. what what things are involved. Well,
0: how do people get a hold of uh, one of the final two hundred copies of the Seal of the End Times?
3: They could call me at uh, here in the United States in New Jersey nine zero eight seven two five six two 908
0: 725 6252.
3: Yes, that's an answering machine. I would prefer if they could call late in the afternoon uh, rather than in the morning.
0: Okay, that's and, uh, that's they how they get
3: direct contact that way.
0: Nils, great uh, meeting with you again. Let's do a show on the Ark of the Covenant uh, in a couple of months. Absolutely. Stay well, my friend.
3: Okay, thank you.
0: Nils Hamron. Tim Spreen, thank you to you. Next week. Brand new show, not sure what's on tap, but it'll be good, I promise you that. In the meantime, don't be afraid, there's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known, what you hear in the dark. Speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, move over Aphrodite. I'm coming home, phew.